It's time for Fighter's Fury, inside the heart of a champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Tobin here with you as we'll take the next hour to dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Interesting night last night. We had the heavyweight championship of the world, the WBC side of it at least, being defended by Deontay Wilder against Dominic Brazil. And it would it did not last long. It was an absolute thudding, thunderous, sensational knockout from Deontay Wilder, who continues to impress every time he goes out into the ring. He improves to 41-0 and after that sensational knockout of Dominic Brazil. It was funny, man, because it was an interesting week for Deontay Wilder where there was a lot of talk from everybody. If you guys missed it, Deontay spoke this week about the idea of killing a man in the ring and that he wanted to. He he's still been. He, he's talked about this a, a bunch of times. Where he's like, I I want to leave this sport with a body on my record, you know. And everybody goes and they they clutch their pearls. And go, oh, heavens to bits. No, I can't imagine saying that, Deontay. Please. They want him to stop. They don't want to talk about, you know, what's really behind that. It's just Deontay trying to explain the violence that he's got going on in this sport, the uh, the type of knockout power that he has every time that he steps in the ring. And yesterday against D- Dominic Brazil, a fight few wanted to see. This is not a fight that excites people. This is not a fight that we're tuning into. If it was on pay-per-view, can't imagine it doing three buys. And that's not Deontay Wilder's fault. You know, this is a guy who has taken on some tough challenges as of late in his fight with Luis Ortiz and his fight with Tyson Fury. He's really tried to solidify that he is a bar none, pound for pound great, a an all-time heavyweight right now, a guy who is worthy of having a belt. He's not a guy who's running from challenges, and you have to respect that about Deontay Wilder. But boxing is what it is. Boxing is going to have some trials and tribulations when it comes to the politics of the sport and holding you up, especially if you're not a guy who is the biggest draw. And because he is American, because he is in a country where it is tougher for these guys to get people behind them just based on a nationalistic pride behind him, he is going to have a tougher time being the A-side against a guy like an Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury, where those guys can always fall back to fighting in their country where they can always fall back to having their nation wanting to back them and wanting to see them do great. So he's already going up against a stacked deck. Put on top of that, that he has devastating knockout power with very awkward, some would say um, unrefined boxing skills. So you're going in there with an unorthodox guy who throws just wild shots. And yeah, mostly you can pick him apart if you're a guy like Tyson Fury and you could stay on the outside or you could show your boxing skill set, but we've seen in that fight, it still doesn't matter. He'll put him on the canvas twice. That's the kind of guy that this guy is with his power. But when it comes down to it, if we were to look at his last four fights with Deontay Wilder, right? He's fought 
Bermain Stavern, Luis Ortiz, Tyson Fury, and Dominic Brazil. We know in the Stavern fight, the reason he had that fight is because he had the late PED test from Luis Ortiz, which turned to be some blood medication, whatever it was. Um, he, he ended up with a with a last-minute opponent, a guy that is the only guy to go the distance with him in Bermain Stavern when he won the WBC title. Um, he memed him. He turned him into an absolute cartoon character with how vicious those knockouts were. And last night, with Dominic Brazil, a fight where he's got to know that this is not the fight the fans want to see. This is not the fight that he wants to be in there with. He wants to be in there with the Tyson Furies and the Anthony Joshua's of the world, putting an end to who is the best one out there at heavyweight. And yet again, he goes out there and he turns the dude into a cartoon character. He cracks him with such a right hand, with such thudding explosion, that Brazil is left flatlined on the canvas, needing needing the touch of God to even get him to his knees before the referee's count of 10. I'm continually astonished by this guy. Every time he goes out there, all of these boxers have to know, oh, yeah, 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 he's not that good a boxer. Oh, his skill set's not that great. Oh yeah, he's he's not the he's not that clean. He's got these bad fundamentals. And yet, every time this guy goes into the ring, his opponent is staring up at the arena lights. Every single time. And so I continue to ask the question by all these boxing pundits who continue to come with the same lazy analysis of Ah yeah, but if I mean if we were to, if we were talking about who's the best boxer of these guys, who is Who's the who's the the most well-rounded bo- boxer? Deontay Wilder. He's not even close. He might not even be top ten if it comes to boxing skill set. He's definitely not in the same boxing skill set as Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury. All right, you're right. I will relent on that point. Nobody's ever sat here and tried to make the argument that Deontay Wilder is in the same vicinity of a boxer that Fury or Anthony Joshua is. But we forgot that this is also fighting. And there's two ways to beat your opponent. Well, really three ways. You can knock him out. You can stop him on technicalities and the ref not wanting to see any more damage, doctor stoppage, all that stuff. Or you could go to the judges' scorecards. And, yeah, if he's going to get into a pitter-patter match or if a fight's going to go the distance, I'm going to say, yeah, maybe if that if that becomes the case – Deontay Wilder's not going to win fights. And yet every time he goes in there, every opponent ends up on their back. Every single time. And if we were to look at this Tyson Fury fight, like Tyson Fury comes out and he wants to make this claim, oh, I'm a bash guy. He's second bash. I'm bash. All right. That's cool, Tyson Fury. You can come here and say this. But if you are the Gypsy King, if you are the untouchable one, if you are the lineal heavyweight champion and you are such a great boxer, why'd you get touched on the chin twice by him looking up at the lights? Why? Why did that happen? You knew you had one thing to to look out for, and that's Deontay Wilder's right hand. How's it possible if you're such a badass? You have to know those are two 10-8 rounds, and some rounds are going to go towards the guy with the belt on him. That's a mistake on your part. Anthony Joshua who's a tremendous boxer. He's great. A big fan of Anthony Joshua. His fight with Vladimir Klitschko is an all-time classic. 
all-time classic. And if you were to look at the three of these guys, I would say he's got the best resume out of anybody. The guys that he's beaten in these years since winning the belt from Charles Martin, since winning his first belt. Beating Dillian White, beating Dominic Brazil, beating Vladimir Klitschko, beating Joe Parker, beating Povetkin, beating Carlos Takam with a broken nose. You know, the, the this, is a, this is a good resume that he's put forth. But there's a little part of me that feels since he has won that title from Vladimir Klitschko and gotten to that absolute slugfest, an all-time classic, one we'll remember forever, the kid up against the guy who had the death grip on the division for a long time, where he got put on the can- he put he put Klitschko down, got put on the canvas, came back, won the fight. Ever since then, we can't say that this has been the most entertaining title run from Anthony Joshua. It's been good, but he's got a fight coming up with Andy Ruiz. We know that he was supposed to take on Jarrell Miller, which I was excited about that fight before Miller, you know, popped for all those PED tests. But we can't say that Anthony Joshua has been the most exciting heavyweight in the world. We're going to look at Tyson Fury's resume since the Vladimir Klitschko fight and becoming lineal heavyweight champion of the world. First of all, that Klitschko fight was one of the most boring fights you'll see. He basically lulled him to sleep. It was like a like a like a snake serenader. It was unbelievable. He ends up leaving the sport for 3 years. He had two tune-up fights against Sefer Seferi and Francesco Pianeta, who I mean as bad a fights as you can get. He had a great fight with Deontay Wilder, another classic, another heavyweight classic. But now he's gone off with, with, with an unfulfilling result. He took his ball, and he went to ESPN. He could have had the opportunity to come out here and finish the job with Deontay Wilder or make it an even bigger landslide the next time he goes in the ring. But what did he do? He went, and he signed a big contract with ESPN, and now he's fighting somebody called Tom Schwartz in a matter of five, uh, four weeks. So right now... Of the guys really trying to get fights and, 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 are, and are really trying to continue to entertain you, Deontay Wilder's gone out there and he's been looking for the, the, the baddest guys out there, fighting Luis Ortiz and fighting Tyson Fury and, you know, wanting to get a rematch with Tyson Fury before he skedaddled off to ESPN. But if he's not facing those guys, pfft, ridiculous, stupid power. Every single time he steps into that ring, he's sending somebody to the canvas with a devastating knockout. It's unbelievable. And everybody knows what's coming. And it doesn't matter. And that's what I am uh, That's what I come away with with Deontay Wilder. So impressed with. Is because everybody comes out here and they urinate all over his boxing, boxing skill set. But yet all these guys are such great boxers. And have such a great skill set. And they all end up staring up at the, at, at the arena ceiling. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, that And that's what makes me so impressed. And so he's going to come up now. His next move is going to be either taking on Luis Ortiz, Tyson Fury, or Anthony Joshua, according to Shelly Finkel. This was a Chris Mannix report. Shelly Finkel says that they are going to meet with DAZN next week with John Skipper, former ESPN president, now the uh, chairman of DAZN. Says he plans to lock in Wilder's next opponent next week with Fury, Joshua, and Ortiz all as finalists. The only thing I would say is if those three guys are finalists, Two of those guys have upcoming dance partners. We know that 
Anthony Joshua's fighting on June 1st. We know that Deontay, uh, we know that Tyson Fury is fighting Schwartz on June 15th. Luis Ortiz has no dance partner. He was offered the Anthony Joshua fight to, uh, and turned it down. Uh, I would understand why Luis Ortiz wants the Deontay Wilder fight. He came very close to beating Deontay Wilder. Probably be beating him on scorecards at the time, um, at least by most people who watched that fight, and nearly stopped him in the seventh round before he got, he got stopped in the tenth. So... I understand why Luis Ortiz wants that fight. It's a very, very tough fight for Deontay Wilder. And if he ends up taking that fight, man, more more, more, more props to Deontay Wilder for wanting to get in there with Luis Ortiz, southpaw, as pure a boxer as it gets, unbelievably tough style, knockout power. He's a tough opponent, man. I know you've beaten him already, but still tough. He's getting a little bit older, a little bit longer in the tooth, but Luis Ortiz is no joke. So... If that is one of his options, if those are the three options, it already tells you he's tired of doing the whole Dominic Brazil thing or Berman's Tavern thing or all that stuff. If he's going to do it, he's going to do it with the cream of the crop at the heavyweight division. So I just thought it was an interesting week. And by the way, if I can get back to the, the killing a man comment from Deontay Wilder that everybody was upset with. This is what I found interesting about it. Everybody's like, whoa, whoa, what? He's going to kill a man. It's not like Deontay Wilder didn't go and hit Dominic Brazil with everything that he had in that monster knockout. So if he's going to make these comments and you're going to be outraged by it, you would imagine he'd have some other kind of tactic to actually do it. For example, he's going to hit somebody after the bell. He's going to do it when they're not looking. All the dude's saying is, I want to go out there and have a body on my record. You know that he's sensationalizing it for the promotion of a fight. Because there's no means with those two fists for him to do it any other way. And if anything, he's not really usually the guy who's going to be in there bludgeoning a guy over and over and over and over. Normally, once he hits you, you're done. Unless your name is Tyson Fury, who by the, some miracle of God got up. But I just found it weird. It was like, well... Imagine if that really... What if Brazil did die? How would Deontay Wilder feel? I'm like, you know what? I guess you got me there. What if Brazil did die? I guess then we would have to... We would have to... What would we do? Would we charge Deontay Wilder with murder? Was there a knife in his glove? Like, the guy... Do you think that he went out there actually with the intention to kill a guy? And do you think that he went out there actually hitting him... What did he do? Did he have a Terminator arm? Like, did he hit him harder? I don't understand. Wait, what are the ramifications of that comment? I mean, like, it's so silly to me. You have, like, Mauricio Suleiman, who's like, this is not uh, becoming of one of our champions. It's like, you guys sat here collecting pay-per-view buy after pay-per-view buy with Mike Tyson telling his opponents that he wants to rip their heart out and eat their children, telling reporters they're not man enough to bleep with him and he'll bleep them till he, till they love him. And you guys loved the sideshow. This guy's just telling you how much he's go intensity he's going into a ring with and saying, yeah, I want to take a body on my record. This is the only – it's not good for you to get hit in the head. He's not saying – he's being descriptive. He's being uh, he, he's being intense. But like, this is the thing we're getting outraged these days with in boxing, two men going into, an, uh, into, a, into a boxing ring, hitting each other in the head. 
And now all of a sudden we want to be acting like, but, but, but that's too far. Huh? You guys see every week in a cage, people throwing limbs and elbows and shins at each other, hammer fists. This is what this is what makes you outraged? Deontay Wilder saying that he wants to kill a guy in the ring? Come on, man. It's so silly. Can we not always act like something's the worst thing? I'm asking you. In today's day and age, can we act like it's not always an outrage that somebody needs to have a hearing or discipline the heavyweight champion of the world? It's just, it's so silly. He was fighting a guy who was mouthing off to him a lot. They had a lot of personal beef. He's saying, this guy doesn't know what he's in for. The doctor tells you getting hit in the head is not good for you. I hit harder than anybody. It's the only man where you can legally kill a sport, kill a guy. I mean, he's right. They got to sign up for it. They sign waivers. Part of, it's part of the sport, man. It's a, it's a horrible thing when this thing happens to, you know, Ray Bubu Mancini and Duku Kim and something like that goes down or Sergey Kovalev doing what he did to his mom. Yeah, they're horrible things. Horrible things that happen in the sport. But... Like, you know, it, it, this is not this is not something that needs to that a guy needs to be reprimanded for because guess what? Boom Boom Mancini and Sergey Kovalev weren't out there actively trying to to uh, to to murder a guy. They weren't hitting a guy harder when he wasn't looking when the ref told him to stop. Things like that. It's a, it's a brutal re- reality of the sport. Deontay Wilder, same deal. He's not going out there, not loading up his gloves. You want to be outraged by something? Be outraged by like Antonio Margarito loading up his gloves with plaster. That's worthy of it because he's actually putting a tool in his glove that could kill a guy. But if he's out there with 10-ounce gloves and the fist that the that, 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 that the good Lord gave him, that's the sport, man. I don't know. like what. Sometimes I don't think the people who cover the sport know what they're watching. They're watching a fist fight. And you think it's under some gentlemanly agreement because it's the sweet science. But that's just a mask you're putting on it. And I think that's the thing that's always funny about it is because with Deontay Wilder, you say, well, this guy's not a good boxer. He's just a he's a slugger. He's a brother. Yeah. But you want to know something? You guys don't care when Tom Brady goes and wins Super Bowls with three-yard passes, do you, as long as you score touchdowns? Whoever has, the mo- whoever has more points at the end, that ends up, that, that, that's the champion. Well, if a guy's means to an end is, I'm just going to knock out the guy across from me, what's the difference? What's the difference? If, if, if he's getting to 40-0 by stopping all of his opponents and if Tyson Fury is getting to 27-0 by going to the judges, what's the difference? There's multiple ways to win the sport. You know, if the Warriors are going to win championships and they're bombs away, three-point shooting, but the Heat are winning championships by defense and scoring points in transition and turnovers, what's the difference? Multiple ways, multiple ways to win. That's the beauty of sports. We're back up to this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Brazil was uh, stumbling a little bit. But credit to Brazil for, for having the character to throw with him. And, oh, oh, oh Wilder hit Brazil so hard. They are feeling it in Brazil. Mamma mia. What a KO. Damn. More Ronaldo, Pauli Malinaji, Al Bernstein on the call there. Showtime Sports. Monster. Monster, monster knockout yesterday from Deontay Wilder. Shout out to Gary Russell Jr. Also getting a win yesterday over Kiko Martinez. He retains his WBC title. He called out Leo Santa Cruz afterwards. Uh, I just want to see Gary Russell fight more. 
So hopefully that is the case, and uh, we can see him a little bit more active. That would be that would be great. But he was very impressive yesterday, and um, well, we'll see where it rolls on from there, man. It is uh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an interesting three weeks now for the heavyweight division, and really see where things line up. It was important for Wilder to go and make that statement. He made that statement first. Now let's see if the other two can follow suit. And really, where do they go from here? You know, Deontay's going to go meet with Dazone. Uh, they're all kind of in their separate corners. You know, Dillian White's out of the fold. The WBC has, uh, I believe they ruled this week that he is going to fight Tyson Fury or should fight Tyson Fury. sir, a WBC eliminator. You know, that fight would be interesting. Uh, Dillian White, though, I do feel like he is a shade below. Like, we do, you know, it, it's tough that in the early going of all of this that he lost to Anthony Joshua, but that kind of is what it is right now. When you're in this this uh, this three-horse race of who is the best guy, and if you happen to lose to one of the guys, that's kind of tough. It, it kind of relates to last night in the UFC. We had Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Kevin Lee, and... You know, RDA right now is ranked number three in the welterweight division, and he's very tremendous. He's a good fighter. He just happened right now. He took a pretty dominant loss to Kamaru Usman. So even though you have a win like last night and you went over four, I don't really know what that does for you in the title pictures of things because he is uh, right now on the outside looking in. He just came off a three-fight losing streak, and he got pretty dominated by Kamaru Usman. Also got dominated by the number one contender in Colby Covington. So where does he really go from there when it comes to RDA and all of that stuff involved? You know, he is in the spot where uh, it was an important fight for both individuals as Kevin Lee's in this point right now where he he's had a tough go. He's had a tough go. It's a guy that has big expectations and big dreams. He's only 26 years old, but he's now lost three out of four. But he's been in five straight main event fights. So there's 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 clearly something with Kevin Lee that is is stark quality. He's very charismatic. He's got a great way about himself, promoting himself, promoting fights. Um he makes this move up to welterweight against Tafiel dos Santos, who is on the smaller side of welterweight as well. So size wise, he's not only probably going to his natural weight, but he's gonna be taking on a guy who also made that move and looked absolutely unbelievable when he first made the move but you know with Kevin Lee I've always thought this when watching him I'm just I I wonder really with him what is what is the thing that he brings to the table that these guys have never ever seen and is something that's just on a next level he doesn't seem like he quite has the gas tank to go five rounds every single time he doesn't have devastating power. He's a good boxer. He's not a great boxer. He's a good wrestler. He's a really good wrestler. But yesterday was getting taken down on the regular by Rafael Dos Anjos. He doesn't necessarily have the best submission game in the world. So, you know, he's just all around really good. He's also 26. You know, you're talking about a guy in Rafael Dos Anjos who has 40 fights. He's been a champion. He has been to the to the absolute mountaintop. He's also made the move over to welterweight. He's been more regular in this move over to welterweight he's also taken on the best guys in the world um his jujitsu i would say is probably just a little bit better his mma wrestling yesterday was just a little bit better um you know and the striking was just a little bit more well-rounded and just a little bit better i just feel like with kevin lee you know they tried to put the rocket on his back they clearly saw the star potential ever since he had the call outs of michael chiesa and he had the he had the mindset to to put himself out there and 
uh, had a really, really good performance against Mike, and they thrust him right in there with an interim title against Tony Ferguson. Uh, and he fought that fight with staph infection, and he fought that under really weird circumstances because that was the week of the Las Vegas shooting, and they, they still went out there and did the fight. And all these things, yes, you can say that these aren't ideal situations, but, you know, I just look at him and I'm just like, man, well, what what do we look at Kevin Lee and are just like, this is the thing. For example, if we were to look up to a quick rise of a guy, let's look at it like Israel Adesanya, right? Another another guy who's not as young as Kevin Lee, but is, is kind of burst onto the UFC scene, thrust right into things, and now he obviously has himself an interim title. He has himself an interim belt. But the thing with, with Stylebender is Stylebender has this kind of next-level Anderson Silva-type striking that is really hard for his opponents to figure out, and it's probably going to be a little bit until somebody catches up with that and figures that out and figures out the key to do it. And the thing that's interesting with this Dos Anjos situation is the blueprint was really put out there for Kevin Leon how to beat this guy he has some of the skill sets that Colby and Kamaru also have when they go out there and they're like force the pressure you know be unrelenting and eventually you will be able to break be first you'll be able to break RDA those guys set the blueprint for you on how to beat him and he just doesn't seem like he's got the gas tank. He doesn't quite have the wrestling. He's just not quite as imposing as those two were to RDA. And Usman is obviously, I thought he was on another level in his win over Colby, but Colby was the one who went out there and did it first. And I just think that with Kevin, there has to be, for him, a step back, Hopefully they give him somebody a little bit lower in the rankings. He's been taking out absolute monsters in his in his career right now with Tony and Edson Barboza and Ally Aquinta and Hoffman. These are all top five guys, man. They, they, this is an absolute wrecking crew of dudes they've taken on. Um, you know, Kiesa's also moved up to 170. Do they give him that fight again at 170 and see if, you know, they, they had a lot of bad blood that first fight, ended a little bit weirdly. So do they go out there and maybe do that fight again? That's a possibility. I could see them maybe doing that. Um, but with the with the with the welterweight rankings right now and him being in the situation, he's far from a title shot. Far from a title shot. He just needs a lot of regrouping to do. And this also to me it puts a little bit of a stop in in the old you know, always moving up is always a good thing and always doing this. Not necessarily. Not always. Not always. You know, we saw this with Max Holloway and, and Dustin Poirier. Not always. Like, sometimes, yes, moving up and not having to cut that weight is a great thing and you'll feel full of yourself, but sometimes it's just a thing to say. Sometimes it's just, it's kind of just regrouping yourself. It's not always the case. You know, it's a good thing to spin on guys promotionally where they're like, this guy moved up, though. He's going to feel more hydrated. It, well, not necessarily. He had the more hydration, and he didn't have to cut his weight like that, and he didn't have to deplete his body, and yet still had some cardio issues, had some gas tank issues, um, couldn't really keep the pace up that other people did to beat Rafael Dos Anjos. So there's that. As far as RDA is concerned with him getting this win, you know, he's ranked number three in the division, but again, he's lost to Colby Covington, who's going to probably fight for the title. Tyron Woodley's now out. Tyron Woodley got injured. His fight with Robbie Lawler's off. Um, ben Askren and Jorge Masvidal are going to fight each other in 
what are we talking? We're talking July. So it depends on Rafael dos Anjos. I would say maybe fight the loser of that fight would be a good matchup to get himself back in the title picture. Um, or maybe whoever ends up losing the Usman Kobe Covington fight, if he gets a rematch against one of those guys, um, you know, I don't know what a win for him. I'm looking at it. And I'm just saying, like, what what is a win that would definitely get people thinking that he could be back in title contention? Um, he, you know, a fight against Darren Till. Darren Till needs some definitely rehab work as far as where people think he is. Um. He's beaten Robbie Lawler, although he did beat Robbie Lawler, who was on a torn knee, so maybe he wants to run that one back, or if Lawler calls that out, could they run that one back? Um, yeah, he's in a tough spot right now as far as the welterweight division is concerned. He really is. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a very clear path. It might be one of those things where, you know, an opportunity might have to open up for him late. He is very ranked very highly, and something will become of uh, of an opportunity for him but he is in a tough spot where it's just like you know he's he's very good he's like Dillian White he is good this gets back to my old roundabout point he's very good he is good he's been good enough to be a champion he has been a champion um but right now I'm interested in the title pictures the guys I'm most interested in at welterweight are Usman, Covington, Masvidal, Askren. That's kind of the four-horse race right now. And Dos Anjos is kind of on the outside looking in because he's lost to two of those guys. And it's not to say he can't get back out there, but for right now, I'm not seeing any of those matchups and saying, well, what what really am I Jones in to see? Because Askren versus Masvidal, can't wait for that fight. Usman versus Covington, can't wait for that fight. And any kind of conglomeration of those four together, can't really wait to see those fights. I'm I'm excited to see all of them. And Dos Anjos, not really, not not really. He's 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 definitely second fiddle as far as me as a fan want to see these matchups. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790 The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Tobin here with you. I gotta just say, uh, quick shout. No Seaman Tommy Guns today. Uh, they're they're. Uh, they were tied up, but I uh, was out for the March for Cancer yesterday out on Fort Lauderdale Beach uh, nine times, ninth annual one that they've done. Uh, I've just continued to be blown away. I feel like this was the most attended one I've ever been at. Uh, just continues to get bigger and bigger. It's a beautiful day out there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Um, always inspiring to see everybody come together like that for a great cause. So I just wanted to give a quick uh, acknowledgement to Seaman Tommy Guns, just a masterpiece event that they put on yesterday. So congratulations to them. And uh, looking forward to the next one as I'm uh, always blown away by the community coming together like that. You can text the show 67974. It's brought to you by AccidentLawFirm.com. Uh, somebody, somebody texted in, hey, Tobes, swear that Deontay Wilder is holding Thor's hammer in his right glove. We have to put him in the class with Mike Tyson as far as power is concerned. We were talking about this this week on the show. Uh, we had Leonard Ellaby. He was a coward and didn't want to uh, say who has more power because he was like, oh, eras. I'm like, eras? What is I didn't ask you who's better. I asked you who who do you think has more power? Say it, Ellerby. Say it. You wouldn't say it. You errors. Like all right. Uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. What a promoter. Thank thank you for coming on and promoting. Uh, I don't know. And tell me the time of the fight one more time, honestly. 
Uh, by the way, the fight's at 9 o'clock. Everybody has Twitter. I, I want you on here to discuss boxing. Stop telling me about the guy who's fighting on the third undercard of this fight. I'm asking you about Deontay Wilder. Please, Ellerby, you promote the the you you promote the the biggest guy in the sport. You're the CEO of Floyd Mayweather Promotions. Can can you please answer a question? Uh, I don't know, Eris. We'll see. I'm, I think I'm going to see him in Vegas. I'm going to be like, hey man, last time you were on my show, like, give me give me an answer, please. You're a promoter. But yeah, I was talking about this this week with Leroy. I think that you absolutely put him in the Tyson category. You know. Tyson was vicious. Tyson would go all over the body. I think the one thing with, with Wilder that's, uh, I think the one thing that's that's crazy with Wilder is, you know, it feels like he half hits you and you still go down. And you know, Tyson was like that, but Tyson was a Tyson was a pit bull man. Tyson would just run up on you. He would uppercut you. He'd attack that body. Just an absolute savage. I think, you know, if we're gonna go, who's a better boxer? Uh, I would say, like, Tyson's probably a more well-rounded boxer with the ways he would go attack you. Dude, with with Wilder, it's just that heat-seeking missile, and he still gets you. That's what impresses me about him. It's so, so impressive. Uh, other texter writes in that Wilder made Brazil look like a total jabroni, and that's what's impressive. Like, I know that seems like uh, it, it could be a knock, or whatever, but that's the thing that's impressive about it is, you know, it's a guy in, in, in Dominic Brazil. He's only lost to Anthony Joshua. You know, he's... Made a career. This guy is same as uh, is has had a, a football background, not the pure background that most people have in boxing. And he's been a nice career of himself. You know, people, you know, being being in this thing, and he flatlined him like, boom, knife through butter. That's what's impressive to me um, about that. Another guy writes in uh, that he's taking his son to the Marlins game. I know it's the wrong show, but can we get a little Macho Marlins man for good luck so we can sweep the Mets? It's normally against school rule, uh, show rules. I like to stick to. You know, I, I just, I, I don't normally like, yeah. Taking on the Mets today, and I'm bringing my broom to Marlins Park, yeah. Going out there yesterday, Pablo, yeah. Pablo Lopez going out there. What a bounce back performance it was from him, yeah. These Mets, they rattled them the last time, but that's how you show growth. In a season full of crap, he rose to the top like the cream, yeah. Going for the sweep today. No spider watch here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top elbow, off the rope, yeah. No further questions. Oh, it's early for that. Anyway, uh, I want to uh, mention this. So yesterday on the UFC broadcast, well, there's a... Uh, some cool knockouts. Not uh, not a lot of stakes coming out. Aspen Ladd looks really good. I think that I think the UFC really has uh, some potential there with her. She looks fantastic. But um, a real shout out, a shout out to what I consider a local mixed martial arts legend because he's been down here for a while. Sugar Rashad Evans. He was announced yesterday that he is going into the UFC Hall of Fame. Much deserved for Rashad Evans. He is a former champion. Won the light heavyweight championship back in 2008. Uh, beating Forrest Griffin before that. Knocking out the, the, the legend of Chuck Liddell. But I got to be honest with you. The championships are awesome for Rashad Evans. And that means a lot. But I can honestly say I don't know if there is a former fighter who is a better ambassador for the next generation of the sport than Sugar Rashad Evans. And it's it's something that has really caught my attention as this next wave of fighters are coming up. Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya, 
uh, just the list of guys that he has touched. These guys made a point to say, we don't think we would be here if it wasn't for Rashad Evans. You know, him letting them stay on his couch, him bringing them into the gym, him showing them the ways of being a professional. I've seen this with him firsthand with, like, Dustin Poirier, a guy who wasn't in his gym. When Dustin Poirier was making the move to 155 pounds, uh, they both came in for an interview, and there was a moment when I was walking uh, I was walking them out back out of the studio, and, you know, even, even Dustin Poirier, a guy who was at the quote-unquote rival gym at American Top Team, he was asking and picking the brain of Rashad Evans, who was more than willing to give his advice. I mean, the guy, the guy is just a true gentleman of the sport. And I, I don't know if anybody personifies a Hall of Famer quite like he does. And not only the fact that he is an amazing fighter who has done great things in the sport, but the amount of reach that he has had with the guys doing it right now, even the guy, even like you think about guys like Tyron Spong, who are, are now fighting in boxing, the kind of meaning that Rashad Evans has had to him. He, he goes now just, he goes then beyond the scope of just mixed martial arts. He is, uh, he, he really, really deserves this. And so it's great to see a guy who has lived down here for a long time when he was doing the Black Zillions or Hard Knocks 365, dude living in Boca Raton. Um, just a real shout out to him, man. He deserves, he deserves the title of Hall of Famer, and it is great that the UFC is bestowing that upon him. So congratulations to Sugar Rashad Evans. He really deserves it. Speaking of South Florida, by the way, uh, the next episode of Dana White looking for a fight is going to feature the South Florida episode that was down here with Titan FC. Uh, that was the one we went to where Jason Soares was, was was fighting and defending his featherweight championship, and Dana White walked out the building without giving him a contract, which annoyed me. And this is the, this is the this is a, a good point for this. And I'm not trying to rain on anybody when I when I talk about this, but one of the people who came from the show was Sage Northcutt. Uh, who suffered an absolutely devastating knockout loss this week in one FC and uh, one championship. And let me say this. That's not a bum organization. One championship is really, really good. They have some great fighters. Uh, I think we're going to see more of them now, now that they got to deal with Turner. Uh, it's going to be you, – you're going to get to know more of it. But they recently made news by signing Mighty Mouse, Eddie Alvarez, and Sage Northcutt. Those, uh, those were the three big figureheads. Two of those guys have lost now. Eddie Alvarez got knocked out. Sage Northcutt got knocked out. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, it was a little dicey with his last fight. So they've had it. Uh, they've had a little bit of trouble since they've gotten there. But, you know, Sage Northcutt, this is a guy who they have put on the poster of everything when it comes to the UFC. Everything. You know, video games commercial, social media posts, basically because he's got a ripped-up body and cool hair. He's kind of got the personality of, like, I would call him Tim Tebow uh, Tim Tebow of MMA, interviewing him before. Everything is super great and super awesome and super nice. Um, but with all that package, there still has a lot of growing that he has to do, a lot, a lot. Um, he lost to an elite kickboxer who transferred over to mixed martial arts. I think he's like 8-1 in, uh, in Cosmo, knocking him out. But I guess the bigger point I'm making of this is, like, Jason Sorez, who didn't get a contract off of that fight, who's got just no real mixed martial arts weaknesses when you look at the way he goes about beating things, but obviously I don't think has the flashy packaging that a, uh, uh, that a Sage Northcutt might. Um... 
that's the danger of just signing somebody just because of package. You know what I mean? And so instead of going with necessarily the best well-rounded fighter who could actually be a UFC champion, you're going and signing guys because a dude calls out CM Punk or a dude has spiky hair and obviously looks like a an absolute action figure. There's no doubt about it. You I mean uh, that Sage Northcutt has a crazy body. But you just got to be wary of it when it comes to that fight. So seeing that this week with Sage's knockout loss, and I hope that he's okay. I think he suffered eight fractures in his face and had to get reconstructive surgery on his face. Um, so I hope he has a speedy recovery. But I just think that should be pointed out that on this show that you know was down here, Sage Northcote came off that show and is now getting knocked out in promotions outside the UFC. So just keep that in mind. Not always the best fighters are picked on this show and not always the right fighters are picked up off this show because, as I said, it was the wrong decision not to give that guy a contract. And just thought it should be pointed out. Speaking of guys who are fighting down here locally, give a little quick shout-out to our guy Harold Calderon who is uh, going to be fighting next Friday night. He's going to be fighting at the Mikasuki Resort and Gaming. We'll, uh, we'll go definitely check that out and see if uh, Calderon improves to 20-0, and but that's going down this week as well. Um, also, want to be pointing this out. So I got a chance this week to watch the new Muhammad Ali documentary on HBO, What's My Name? Uh, it's the one that LeBron James and Maverick Carter and Spring Hill Entertainments produced. And I got to tell you, really, really good documentary. Really good. It. I've watched a lot of Muhammad Ali documentaries. I'll tell you what I loved about this. And it wasn't necessarily um, the scope. It wasn't the scope of the story of, like, getting great insight. But I got to tell you, y- you know what makes this documentary really, really great. If you want to see just Muhammad Ali in great action, kind of remastered, everything just looking really crisp and really great. The great thing about this documentary, the the What's My Name documentary, is really just the fighting. They do such a great job of the lead-ups, the follow-ups. They literally take you from 1-0 all the way to him losing to Trevor Burbick in the Bahamas. And it's a really, really cool scope of just Muhammad Ali as far as in the ring. And it's no narrators. It's all Muhammad Ali's voice. And basically, other than that, just interviews with Muhammad Ali. And getting the look of him in the ring. You see him from the time he's in Miami when he is Cassius Clay. Nobody can touch him when he's literally floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. And nobody can can touch him to the times where he had to when he's slowed down and he's doing the rope-a-dope and letting guys basically hammer him, um, which, you know, ended up causing him later on in life. But that slick style that was still able to get him the heavyweight championship from George Foreman, the ability to see that and just some of the ways they captured this artistically, that was the best part of the documentary. I don't think it's, like, the most insightful Muhammad Ali documentary in the world. I don't think it's got, like, necessarily the most stuff you're learning as far as Muhammad Ali documentaries, there's other ones I think that are great with that. But I, I think HBO uh, and and uh, and LeBron's people who did this documentary, the thing that they did great was just showing the the boxer. And they did some of the cool stuff that he did outside the outside and some of his great quotes. But those have been known, um, and I don't think you get anything that new shined a light there. But 
the job they did portraying the boxer, I just thought was masterful. I thought they did an amazing job. So I highly recommend if you guys have HBO uh, to check out the What's My Name documentary. It's two parts. They go all the way up to him losing. The first one goes all the way up to him to losing to Joe Frazier, his first professional loss. And the rest of it takes the part two goes from that uh, all the way to the end of his career. And it was stupendous. It was really, 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 really well done. So, again, just uh, check that on out. Uh, it's going to be a quiet fight time coming up as far as the national scope is concerned. Nothing really until June 1st, both for the UFC and for boxing. So, I'm sure some big news and notes will hop out as the uh, the weeks go on and all that stuff. But as far as uh, as far as next week's concerned, it's a pretty quiet week. So, we'll see what happens uh, locally. Well, again, we're going to go down to check out some stuff that's in the community and all that. And if you missed any of the show, you can download the podcast, do so on the radio.com app, iTunes, Google Play, all that is concerned. You can check out all our episodes there. Also posting a lot of interviews and things like that that we go to when we go to the gyms or go to the press conferences and all that stuff. You guys can get all that great content there as well. Everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the games. And we will talk to you guys same place, same time, same place next week. And again, of course, We'll talk to you tomorrow on the morning show on 1 to 4 with Leroy and Beast. Until then, have a great Sunday, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.